Thank you for tuning into this sermon from New Life Student Ministries. Our goal is to inspire, equip, and support our students and families with biblically rich and God-centered teaching. These messages are meant to be supplemental and not substitutional for our weekly gathering. We hope this sermon is a blessing to you and your spiritual walk. This is what I want you to do. Can you stand with me? Stand with me. We have been in a series on the Lord's Prayer, I would say like the last two weeks, but it's been four weeks, but we just haven't seen each other for four of those weeks. And we are kind of going through the, the, the six statements that we see in the Lord's Prayer. We've done our Father who art in heaven. We've done hallowed be your name. And tonight we are going to hit this third statement that has two petitions, but it's broken down in three parts. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so what I want to do at the beginning of this series, at the beginning of every message, is say this prayer with one another. If it's your first time to church and you're going, what is this prayer? This is the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. We see it in Matthew chapter 6, and also we see it in the Gospel of Luke. So that being said, can we not do this slide? Can we put up the Lord's Prayer if we have it? There we go. This is what we're going to do. We're going to say this prayer with one another. I want you to remain standing. I'm going to pray, and then you can be seated. Sound good? All right, let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We love you. I thank you for every young man and every young woman who made it in here this evening. I thank you that you personally and you intentionally care for each individual person who is in here this evening. And so first and foremost, Lord, we pray that you would hallow your name among us tonight. Would you make your name to be esteemed, to be treasured, to be regarded as holy among us. Let everything else that's in competition with your name fade right now. Let it pale in comparison. I pray that you would unveil our eyes tonight as to what our Lord Jesus meant when he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We want to experience you this evening, Lord. So would you do that here and among us? I pray you would give all of us, including myself, eyes to see, ears to hear, minds to understand, and hearts to believe. And if you can agree with that tonight, can you say amen? Amen. amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. <clears throat> the second and the third petition in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, and then he gives us a location on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what I want to do tonight. There are two petitions, but there are three parts to this. I'm going to do something a little unorthodox. I want to break down these statements in reverse order. On earth as it is in heaven, 
thy will be done and thy kingdom come. Tonight, I wanna talk to you about how God is good. Everyone say God is good. Because here's the thing. If this statement is not true, infinitely true, then when we make these two petitions in this statement, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, then this statement works against us, not for us, always. But if this statement is true, then when we are making these two petitions, God, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life here on earth as it is in heaven, what we are petitioning and what we are inviting is actually the best thing for us. But as we get into this, I want to kind of approach this going backwards. What does he mean here by on earth as it is in heaven? What do we mean by thy will be done? And what do we mean by thy kingdom come? I made this statement last week. I want to make it again this week. There's a way to approach this prayer as like, this is the believer's prayer, the prayer that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray. And so there's almost like this kind of like 30,000 foot transcendent approach to this prayer of what does this like mean for the universe when we're saying your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Hallow your name. Give us this day our daily bread. But what I want to do is I want to make this personal because I believe Jesus intended it to be personal. He's asking us, not just corporately, yes, that is a truth, but his people, that we would pray this prayer. And what does this mean for our, for my, for your personal relationship with God? What is he personally speaking to us? And what are we personally petitioning God to do when we make this three-part statement the first part, well, it's really the third part, but the first that we're gonna address is on earth as it is in heaven. Everyone say on earth. On earth as it is in heaven. You know, here's the thing. Everybody likes this idea of heaven. In fact, the idea of heaven and consequentially, or consequently, I don't know the word there. The idea of hell is what drives the motivation for faith for most people especially when they're kids, right? Like when we talk to kids about the idea of Christianity, what we're getting after uh, most of the time is, is we're not talking about their sanctification. We're not talking about their justification or reconciliation. We'll get to those things later tonight. What we're talking about is we'll look at them and say, do you want to spend eternity in paradise or do you want to spend eternity in torture? And it's not hard for a child's logic to figure that one out, right? It's like, well, I'd rather be in paradise. And when we talk about heaven, we kind of have all of these pictures that come to our mind. Is it, is it kind of this, this perfect transcendent? It's like not earth, but like kind of up there where everything's perfect. Streets are made of gold. We got like pearly gates. We're getting to see everybody who had like died before our loved ones. Like, like heaven kind of becomes this sweet picture where there is no death. There is no sadness. There is no disease. There is no mourning. Everything's just kind of like, like perfect. And we're satisfied by this picture. And I think there's a reason why we're satisfied by this picture is because heaven kind of represents where our story is headed for most of us, or especially those of the Christian faith, or even those who aren't of the Christian faith, but have kind of grown up asking the question, 
what does life after death look like? Kind of nothingness is kind of a, a boring, hopeless imagination. So we, we think, well, heaven's kind of a cool idea. And here's the thing, like we're fascinated, we're fascinated with stories. Like, 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 like stories are something that like we all long for. This is why we can enjoy a good book. This is why you can enjoy Boba Fett for the last two episodes, not the first four, but like the last two were good. I can't wait to see what came out today. But like, we want to see how something ends. And this is what makes a story good is a good ending. This is why we were all unsat. Oh, dear goodness. Yes, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. <laughs> Lord, if I was off kilter there, I'd retract my statement, okay? This is why we are all unsatisfied. My heart rate is pounding. <laughs> about to say like, oh, it's about to go down. <laughs> Whew. Let's take a drink of water here. There is no fire. We're all good. Victor, you want to make sure we're all good. That way I don't keep going and it happens again. Okay. Where, where was it? Thank you, Victor. Oh, Avengers. This is where I was headed. Uh, when in doubt, right? This is why we are all unsatisfied with Infinity War. Like, you mean to tell me you've, like, built, like, like, Avengers and then, like, Age of Ultron, like, all of us to this moment with Thanos, and he wins? And, like, half the universe is gone, and it's like, it's like Captain America, like, like, we're finishing with him going, like, my goodness, I don't want to say my God, this is church. Like, my good, right? Like, everybody's, everybody's gone. But then this is why, like, we were so satisfied with Endgame, right? Because, like, the ending is the ending we wanted, unless you were a Tony Stark fan, right? <laughs> like, it's the ending you want. But, but here's the thing. Heaven is the ending we all want. Like, it's, it's this picture of, of perfection. And here's the thing. There's, there's a lot of images of, like, okay, like, we ask ourselves this question, and it, going back to what I said originally, like what drives so much of like many in the Christian faith is the ending of the story. Where's the story headed? Now, I, I grew up, I was born in the 90s. I was born in 1994, the greatest year ever, because that was the year The Lion King came out, okay? And I grew up, I kind of grew up in the era, the era of Christianity, especially in like Western American like Christianity, where it was all about like fear-mongering. And there was like a devil behind every corner. Everything was demonic, unless it was at church or Awana's. Everything was demonic, okay? And I kid you not, like, like, like I, was, I was seven, eight years old. I told this story a couple months ago. Not here, somewhere else. I was seven, eight years old. I was out with a friend. I was homeschooled at the time. This will help you inform why my mother was this way, okay? And, and my friend, he was obsessed with Pokemon, like obsessed with it. Okay, and he had this massive stack of Pokemon cards and he gave me like 50 of them. He said, here, these are yours. And I was thrilled with it. I mean, I'm like looking through them and I'm like, I've never even like watched Pokemon, but I thought it was like, like the Super Smash Bros. I played Super Smash Bros, right? Like I knew like Pikachu, that sort of deal. And I was like thrilled with it. I brought them home. I walked in the door and I said, mother, look at what I have. And my mother looked at me and was like, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm not kidding. It's more terrifying than the fire alarm just going off. 
And she goes, she goes, those are gonna open up a portal to our home. You were gonna have demons and he'll, you give the enemy a foothold. You keep those in, in our house. Do you want an enemy having a foothold in your life? I was like, no. <laughs> I kid you not. I took the Pokemon cards outside to the backyard, side of the house where we had a, a pile of rocks. I threw them down. <laughs> I walked over to the can of gasoline from our lawnmower. And I dumped gasoline all over them, took a match, threw it down and said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Devil, I will not give you a foothold. Like this is the generation I grew up in. My mom didn't allow us to drink Sobeys because they had the yin and yang symbol on the caps. Like it was like that would open up. I've never seen Harry Potter ever. Now here's the thing. I know some of you in here are like, that's good. You should never see it. Others in your here are like, are you still that legalistic? Like it's a great story. Truthfully, I don't care. I'm more of a Lord of the Rings guy, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> like, but it was like the, lo the logic was like you, you, you watch a sorcerer's movie, your home becomes a sorcerer's home. Right. And, but here was the logic. It was, it was, fear-mongering because where we are is a living hell. And the enemy has free reign around here and we don't want to give the enemy free reign. And so we just need our get out of hell free card and we just need to get to heaven. And this, is, this was the idea, like this is where the story's headed. Like, like there's fear-mongering. God's just going to come and he's going he's gonna to rapture all the church. He's going to just get them out of and he's just going to burn the church to the, or the, the earth to the ground. Like we laugh, but like this is like this. This is what this is why people like follow Jesus. It's they're like terrified, but that's not the ending of the story to which the gospel speaks. That's not that's that's not the essence of Jesus coming to Earth. I mean, you you think about the essence of this statement on Earth, as it is where in heaven. What Jesus is inviting us to do is to invite the reality of where God is to be the reality of where we are on earth as it is in heaven. Let me show you this at the end of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21, verses two through five. The apostle John, he's seeing this and he writes, and I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with who? Is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things, what? New. So what John sees here now remember, this is Revelation 21. This is after all him seeing like the beast come out of the lake of fire and God throw the beast into the lake of fire and all the wonderful imagery that we get in Revelation. This is at the end and he's saying, no, 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 the end of the story is I see new Jerusalem, heaven coming down 
to to earth. And behold, God says that his dwelling place is with who? Us. So this is less about him just simply taking us away, more so about him coming to us. And is that not true in the person of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters? That the son of God got off his heavenly throne and he came where? Here to us. And so we ask ourselves, this drives the question when we say on earth as it is in heaven, what what we're saying is heaven is the place where God's name is perfectly hallowed. Heaven is the place where God has come in its full effect. Heaven is the place where God's will is done and it's seen and it's experienced by all at all times. We want that reality here. We want that reality here. And what, 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 is, what is this prayer petitioning? We're asking God to do that. Not get us out, but to bring his reality here. Are you with me? This should change so much of the way we look at God and encounter God. This, this is what allows us to not be afraid of the brokenness of today. Why? It, it, means that, it means that we don't have to ignore our problems. It means that the Christian faith entails actually that you can't ignore your problems. That instead, instead of looking at your problems and saying, dear God, just get me away from here. Instead of looking at the brokenness of the world and going, dear God, just get me away from here we're asking God to invade all of that brokenness. This forces us to have to participate with what God is doing in the world rather than just observe what, is God, what God's doing in the world. Are you with me? On earth as it is in heaven. But then we have this second statement. Thy will be done. I want you to pay attention to those words. Thy will be done. Jesus teaching us to pray is saying, when you pray to your heavenly father, invite his will to be done. I want you to notice a couple things about this statement. He is not asking us to do God's will, which is where the logic goes for a lot of people here. How do I do the will of God? No, no, no. You are not doing God's will. God is doing God's will. Are you with me? The same way this is not about how you hallow God's name, it's about how God hallows God's name. He is the one who has his will be done. But notice how it doesn't say our will be done. You know how much easier this prayer would be if it said that? Lord, would you just let my will be done? I mean, when I was in high school, Lord, could you just make that girl fall in love with me? Cannot she see that I am absolutely gorgeous? <laughs> Lord, could you make me a foot taller with like 30 more pounds of muscle? My will be done. <laughs> Do you know how much easier my life would have been in high school if that was my reality, right? Like, like, if we brought this logic to like life, like, Lord, could you just make sure that I get into that college? Could you just make sure that I get that job? Could you just make sure that this happens? Like, like think about the dangerous reality if like that's what Jesus taught us to pray. Your will be done? No. 
God's will be done. This is where like that, there's like a dangerous, a dangerous reality to kind of some of that like name it, claim it theology, you know? This was like my parents' generation too and I partook in it so I'm not gonna hate on them too much where it was like, it was like you just walked in and it was like, like if you want it, you, you just claim it by the blood of Jesus, right? Like I walked in and I saw Mariah from across the room and we were, man, I said, mine. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, right? And it's like, or it's like, it's like you, you, you want that car? You just gotta believe that God's gonna give you that car. And so you're like, I claim it in the name of Jesus. And it's like, it's like, and then, and then but what, what this ended up doing is people started, started having such wrestles with their faith because they'd come in seeking healing or they'd be asking God to do something, to take away suffering from them. And it was like, name it and claim it. And it was like, and if, if it wasn't happening in your life, then you simply didn't have faith. And what you need is faith. And as long as you had faith, God would just give you whatever you wanted. And you know why I have such a problem with that? Is Jesus in Gethsemane. We have the son of God who literally had perfect faith, perfect faith. God would do anything for him. And yet we have him in this moment on the night that he is betrayed. He's a stone throw away from his disciples who he asked to pray with him, yet they're all sleeping. And he gets on his knees and he's sweating so intensely that he's, as scriptures say, that his sweat was like drops of blood. And he says, Father, praise it three times. Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Let this suffering pass from me. Let, let the need for me to have to endure this death, let the, the need for my back to be lashed 39 times, let the, the need for a crown of thorns to be shoved into my head, let the need for me to be spitten on and beaten and bruised and mocked and put on a suffocating, torturous crucifixion tool and, 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 and to keep the nails from my wrists and the nails from my feet. Like, like if you could just let this cup let this suffering, this reality that has not yet happened to me, if you could let it pass, would you do it? And then he says the most faith-filled words ever. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. You know what that means for all of us, brothers and sisters, is it means that to some extent, every time, and to some extent at some times, on the other side of us praying this prayer, there's gonna be a cross. When we're praying for blessing and we're praying for what we want and naming it and claiming it and we're, we're trying to approach this and Jesus is going, no, 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 no. It's not your will be done. His will be done. And why? What could possibly come from the son of God being tortured to death and crucified. What good could come of that? You and me, the salvation of the world. And so really quickly, I'm gonna give you like a, a, a two minute theology lesson here on what does it mean then? What does it look like for God to accomplish his will? 
I think we need to ask ourselves this question, like what is God's will? This is like the, this is like the existential question that everybody's going to ask. So well, what, is, what is God's will for me to do? And, and the scriptures are layered with it. Layered, but remember, I wanna keep this personal tonight. So there are three things that God's will accomplishes. Number one is God's justification for you and for me. This is what it means, that his will His purpose, what he is seeking to accomplish is the justification of his people. This is what justification means. It means that he wants to make your relationship right with himself. You, me, the world, all sinners, all broken, all rebellious, all turning our back on God. And what he seeks to do is make that relationship right, meaning that for his people, they will one, not have to endure the penalty of sin, and two, they get to enjoy the privileges of righteousness. Are you with me? This is what justification does. His will is to make his people just and right before him. But it doesn't just stop there, and this is important. Most people stop with salvation right at justification. And they go, okay, I'm right before God. I turned from my sin. I've, I made Jesus my Lord and Savior, but it doesn't just stop there. Ephesians 1, he wants to reconcile us to himself. God's reconciliation is the second part of his will. He justifies us, so he sets us right before God, but then he goes, no, no, no. I want relationship with you. I don't just want to see you rightly and I don't just want you to see me rightly. I want relationship with you. And this is what he does. He tears the veil of sin and death from top to bottom. And instead of expecting you to break through that veil, to willpower your way out of your sin, out of your brokenness, out of your depression, out of your anxiety, He tears that veil himself and he makes a way for you to have a relationship, for me to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. God's will seeks to accomplish justification, reconciliation, and finally, sanctification. This is like like a whole theology class in seminary put for you right here in two minutes. Sanctification means this, the process of God making you and me holy over the course of a lifetime. And here's his purpose in that. This is is where you gotta be so careful. It's not that God expects perfection from you after you give your life to him. He expected perfection from you and me before we gave our life to him. That's why he sent his son, because he knew that you and I would never be able to do that. So he sends his son to justify justify us, to reconcile us. And now by the power of his Holy Spirit, he wants you to experience that grace day by day. And in order for you to experience that grace day by day, there has to be a decrease in yourself and an increase in God. There has to be a relinquishing that which you wanna hold on to as Lord of your life and a surrendering daily to him. This is the walk of faith. Sanctification is an ongoing process, but it's God's commitment to us, for you and for me to experience him, hear me, here and now. You with me? Not just at the end of the story. Not just when heaven comes to earth. No, 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 right now. 
This is why the gospel is good news because that pornographic addiction you've wrestled with for forever, he's saying you can experience freedom in me now. The way you've looked at yourself so poorly for so long and think that it might not ever change, he's saying, I can be enough for you right now. The brokenness, the pain of your circumstances, of your family, of your interior life that you experience right now, his good news is you can experience freedom in him right now. Are you with me? On earth as it is in heaven, thy will be done. The first statement, thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. The primary implication of this statement is that if we are inviting his petitioning for him to bring his kingdom is that all other kingdoms must go. All other kingdoms must go. You notice how we are always suspicious of power in people? Rightly so, right? How many of you got into like the DC series of like Batman, Superman, Snyder, Justice League, all that? I don't blame the rest of you for not. It wasn't that good. Um, there was a moment that stuck out to me. I, I, I wanna say it was in Batman versus Superman. And there's this moment where Lex Luthor is talking on the roof and he's talking about God. And he said, a while ago, it occurred to me that if God is all good, he could not be all powerful. And if God was all powerful, he could not be all good. And he made that statement and I was like, man, from a human perspective, that makes sense. Because every image of power that we have almost in human history speaks to that truth. You ever heard the statement that power corrupts and absolute power absolutely corrupts, right? And we watch the way that kings, queens, emperors, dictators, democracies, I mean, tyrannies, all of it. Over the course of history, you look at Genghis Khan, you look at Napoleon Bonaparte, you look at Hitler, you watch as men who step into power do not know how to actually utilize that power always for the good of people. And we don't even have to use those examples. You can look at King David, a man after God's own heart. And yet he's, he's committed adultery and murder, right? Like we look at Saul, like, like, like the guy who wrote 70% of the New Testament, like, like he's held accountable for like persecuting and murdering the church in the early part of Acts. So like the question here is like, it's, like it's easier for us to go like, no, power corrupts. This is why we're suspicious of power. This is why we have like a problem where even when we can look at, it doesn't have to be just like, like political leaders. It doesn't have to just be presidents. It doesn't, doesn't just have to be business leaders. It can be church leaders. We're sinful, we're broken. And the reason why we have such a problem with it is because most of the time, human history has utilized power to serve oneself except for one, except for one. What we see here in Jesus, because we know the whole story, is that the world seeks to rule. Human beings seek to rule through power, tyranny, oppression, taking advantage of the weak, taking advantage of the poor, taking advantage of the wealthy. And how does God choose to rule creation? 
through a cross. Through a cross. Instead of taking from everyone else to serve himself in his leadership, he gives of himself. For you and for me. Thy kingdom come. Why? What is Jesus' objective in this prayer, in this statement? I wanna go ahead and invite the worship team to come up. I think this is what's important when we arrive at this statement. And I think this is why Jesus put this statement before, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, and lead us not into temptation. What is the objective in prayer, brothers and sisters? And here's how I wanna approach this question. What's God's objective in your prayer, in my prayer? What do you think he's seeking to accomplish? If you got your notes, your Bible, I don't want you to go ahead and close it up. I don't want you to bow your head. Scott, can we just go ahead and bring the lights down a little bit? I want you to wrestle with this question for a little bit. What is God seeking to accomplish with your praying and my praying? What does he want from us? What does he want from you? Maybe from the time that you were a kid, you've just been taught that when you need things, you go to God. And I'm not here to say that that's wrong. It's not. He's a good father and he loves, he delights in giving his children gifts. But what's his objective in calling us to pray? What's his objective? What's he going after? What does he, what does he want from you? Does he want your faith? Does he just simply want you to trust him? Does he simply just want you to cast all other cares aside? What does he want from you? I think this statement, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven gives us some insight into what God is going after. What this good God is going after. Just bear with me, keep your head bowed. My, uh, my, Assumption, I'll put it this way. My assumption here is that God's ultimate objective in your praying, in my praying, in the inviting us to pray, is that he wants intimacy with you. I want you to hear this prayer coming from God to God. Jesus saying, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, your way of life is better than our way of life. (laughs) Your way of life is better than our way of life. 
and your will, your will, your will that seeks to make us right with you, your will that seeks to reconcile our relationship with you, and your will that seeks to have us experience you every day of our life. That's what we want. I want you to hear that. If God's will is to justify you, and if God's will is to reconcile, and if God's will is to sanctify you, then what God's overall objective is, is intimacy with you. And what we are saying when we say, not our will, but your will be done, is we're responding with saying, we want intimacy with you, God. God doesn't want what you can give him. He wants you. He wants you. You were the reason for the cross. Not, not your circumstances, not your blessings. You, not your talents, not what you have to offer him. Hear me, you have nothing to offer him. Christ had everything to offer him. He doesn't want what you have. He wants you. He wants you. He wants relationship with you. When you make these statements, your kingdom come, your will be done, what you are saying in response, why he invites you to pray that prayer is you're responding with his own heart towards you, towards himself. You're saying, God, I want what you want for me and that's intimacy with you. It's relationship with you. It means my kingdom go, my will out the door. I want your reality in heaven right here with me. I don't want and I don't want to care for what I have to offer you. I want to fix my eyes on what you have given me in the person of Jesus Christ. Your kingdom go. My kingdom go. Even if it means there is a cross on the other side of this prayer. Even if it means I don't get the healing that I'm asking for. Even if it means I don't make the team that I've been trying out for. Even if it means I don't get the boyfriend or the girlfriend that I've been crying out for. Even if it means that I don't get the American dream. Even if it means that I don't get the life that I want. I want you. You will be more than enough. You'll be more than enough. It'll be more than enough. All I want is you. All I need is you. And God, my kingdom and my agenda, they don't embrace you. They embrace myself. So brothers and sisters, this is the invitation for all of us tonight. If you came in here and you don't know Jesus, 
It's your first time to church, your first time here. Here's the Christian message. God wants relationship with you. He wants to take care of you. He doesn't want to stifle your joy. He wants to embolden your joy. He doesn't want to quench your thirst. He wants to satisfy your thirst. If you're in here and you've been walking with Jesus for years, the invitation for you and for me is God just wants relationship and intimacy with us. And in order for us to have intimacy with him, we have to let go of our kingdom and our will. <laughs> we have to let him go. We have to say, no, no, not my kingdom come, but your kingdom come. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I don't fear. I don't fear what life has to bring. What I fear is not having intimacy with the God of the universe. I fear being more concerned with the cares of this life than relationship with God. That's what this prayer is inviting us to say, brothers and sisters. So what I wanna invite you into here, Scott, can we just bring it even darker? I just wanna invite you to respond to intimacy with your heavenly father today. And that can be in any level, whether that means relationship with him for the first time. You're at that moment of justification where you're going, Lord, I need to be made right with you. Let me tell you how you're made right with him. Scripture says that anyone who believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we would receive him as Lord of our life. We are made right with God. That's the invitation for you right now. <laughs> you're sitting in here and you're like, I, I made the decision to follow Jesus as a kid, but I have no relationship with him. The invitation for you tonight, as you say, your kingdom come, your will be done, is God going, let me show you how much I love you. Let me show you how much I care for you in my son, Jesus Christ. You're in here and you follow Jesus, but you have been wrestling with sin for so long. God just wants you to experience him. He wants to set you free and show you that he is better than anything else that's warring for your affections. He'll satisfy you more than sex. He'll satisfy you more than money. He'll satisfy you more than relationships. He'll satisfy you more than status. He'll satisfy you more than yourself. That's our good news. That's our invitation with Jesus. And so I just, I wanna keep the moment tender for a little bit here. If you wanna find some space, you can find some space. But as the band's just gonna play, as Pastor Victor's just gonna sing over you, I just, I wanna give you unhurried time to, to rest in his kingdom come and his will being done in your life as it is in heaven. I wanna give you space 
to engage with the God of the universe. As Paul says in Romans, Abba, Father. So worship team's gonna play. You can feel free to find a space. You can feel free to stay seated. And then just as we continue to worship here, let's fix our eyes on the one whose kingdom we are asking to come and whose will we're asking to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanks again for listening to this message from New Life Student Ministries. If you want to keep up with what's happening with us, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at NL Student Ministries.